All right. Well, good morning, church family. How are we doing? Everybody good? All right. So glad to see you this morning. My name is Brian Alderman. I'm the serve pastor here at Liberty. I get the joy of bringing you God's word this morning. So if you brought a Bible, and I hope that you did, Proverbs chapter 7 is where we are going to be. Proverbs chapter 7. We'll look at the wisdom of God's word. Uh, Listen, I want to remind you as we turn in our Bibles and get to the place where we're going today, God is not done in this place. I mean, I hope that you see it as clearly as I do, but it's been an exciting morning. Uh, Hopefully the Lord is, you know, maybe set to add to our team this morning. Regardless, we know that he is on the move, he's working, and I just believe that there is more to come and the best days for Liberty Baptist Church are ahead of her, not behind her. And here's the thing, you and I have a role to play in seeing that happen. If you're struggling to believe that, then... um, Man, I, I got to pray for you because we, we got we a lot to tackle this morning. And if you are struggling to believe that God is, is still working, is still moving, has something in store for you beyond today, then this message is probably going to be a little hard for you to hear as you struggle. Because today we tackle what is a massive issue in our society called pornography. And we've been in a series called Let's Talk About It. And for the last Three weeks, we've addressed some different, uh, some different topics that are hot-button issues, if you will, in our cultural moment today. And the thing about these issues is we could have probably combined pornography with um, maybe week two, sexual attraction, right? A lot tied together there. We could have put this message into that one. But as a pastoral team and your staff, we didn't feel right about that. And here's the reason why. With respect to the last couple of weeks, the issues that we've talked about, transgenderism and sexual attraction... Uh, As the church, it's really tempting for us to believe that those issues are out there, right? I mean, now certainly there are some in our midst who struggle with same-sex attraction. Believe me, there are those here at Liberty who do. And certainly there are probably some among us, maybe younger, who struggle with their gender identity, who feel like they were born into a body that does not match the way that they feel on the inside. And we believe that it was important for their sake to address those issues But on the whole, generally speaking, it's probably pretty easy for us to assume that most of those issues are outside the four walls. Well, listen, church, when we come to pornography, all of that changes. This issue is not out there. It is in here. And I share with you some stats as we kind of lean into the issue. Um, Now, this is all... I mean, pretty much for the most part, from a study that the Barna Group did in 2016, okay? So 2016, Barna releases a study called the Porn Phenomenon, and they, uh, just a number of statistics from surveys and research that they had done. I want to share a few with you. So here we go, Uh, some encouragement for you on a Sunday morning, and I, of course, say that sarcastically. We will get to the encouragement later, though, so hang on. In 2016, the average age of exposure to pornography was 11. 94% of folks had seen or been exposed to pornography by the age of 14. 94%. 68% of church-going men. And over 50% of pastors admitted to viewing porn regularly. Now, There's another temptation that you may have to believe that this is only a male problem inside and outside of the church. That's not true. It's bogus. 
This is absolutely a female problem as well. In that 2016 survey, only 13% of Christian women said that they never viewed pornography, which means a whopping 87% of them admitted to having viewed pornography at some point, however occasionally. Friends, we got a problem on our hands. I want to remind you of a few things as we think through these statistics. Number one, porn, like fast food and you know, all sorts of other enterprises that we have today is an industry. It is. It's a, it's a monstrous enterprise that, that's always growing and ever-expanding and hungry for more. In 2016, the industry that is pornography pulled in more revenue than the NFL, the MLB, and the NBA combined. In 2016, the industry raked more revenue than ABC, CBS, and NBC combined. I need to also remind you that 2016 was seven years ago. And I think it would be foolish of us to assume that these numbers have improved through everything that we've been through in the last seven years, including a global pandemic. But I also want to remind you that there is nothing new under the sun. That's what God's word says. And as God's people, we better believe it, church. There's nothing new under the sun. And even though the problem of pornography may have expanded in its scope, here's the reality. Lust, which is the sin that drives pornography, has not changed at its core. Porn is simply the latest, most expansive, most egregious, most encroaching way to walk out lust in the world that we live in. It's the outlet nowadays for a problem that has been with us since shortly after the fall into sin, which is that sexual lust. So what wisdom does God's word have for us today? Is there hope in the midst of such a drastic and dramatic issue? Well, again, friends, as God's people, the only answer to those questions must be yes. There is hope. There is wisdom. And we'll look to see what it says. So Proverbs chapter 7 is where we'll be. I want to give you two disclaimers before we stand and read this passage. Here's the first one. Friends, Proverbs 7 is a little awkward, all right? So I want you to take off your 12-year-old boy cap and put on your mature, maybe marriage counselor hat or something like that as we get ready to dive into this. And no offense to any 12-year-old boys that are in the room or joining us online. Uh, you know, I want you to take off your 12-year-old boy cap as well and put on your marriage counselor hat. But number two, though this passage on the surface is a literal story about a young man who's seduced by a prostitute-like woman, I want us to open up a little bit and see it as bigger than that. I want us to see Proverbs 7 today in a general sense about the way of temptation. This is the Bible describing what it looks like for us to be caught up in sexual temptation, not just the specific instance that it reveals in this passage. So if you have Proverbs 7 in your Bibles, I invite you to stand with me as a way to honor God's word and say, hey, Lord, we are listening. We want to hear what you have to say. We've got a long passage in front of us this morning. So again, buckle your seatbelts. I'm going to begin in verse 6, and we'll read uh, for a little while. It'll be on the screen if you do not have a Bible with you. So follow along with me as I read. 
The writer of Proverbs says, At the window of my house I looked through the lattice, and I saw among the inexperienced, I noticed among the youths a young man lacking sense. He was crossing the street near her corner. He strolled down the road to her house at twilight. In the evening, in the dark of the night, a woman came to meet him. And she was dressed like a prostitute, having a hidden agenda. She is loud and defiant. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, she lurks at every corner. She grabs him and kisses him. And she brazenly says to him, I've made fellowship offerings. Today I've uh, fulfilled my vows. And so I came out to meet you, to search for you, and I've found you. I've spread coverings on my bed, richly colored linen from Egypt. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deeply of lovemaking until the morning. Let's feast on each other's love. My husband isn't home. He went on a long journey, and he took a bag of silver with him. And he's going to come home at the time of the full moon. Verse 21, she seduces him with her persistent pleading, and lures, she lures with her flattering talk. And he follows her impulsively, like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer bounding toward a trap, until an arrow pierces its liver. Like a bird darting into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. Now, sons, listen to me and pay attention to the words from my mouth. Don't let your heart turn aside to her ways and don't stray onto her paths For she has brought many down to death, and her victims are countless. Her house is the road to Sheol, descending to the chambers of death. Let's pray. Father, we need your wisdom, we need your insight, we need your help today. But more than anything, Lord, we need the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, whose blood was shed for us so that every sin... No matter how many times we commit it, and no matter how drastic it may be, every sin could be forgiven in his name. So Lord, I pray that you'll help me. I pray that you will help my brothers and sisters as we look at your word today and study what it means for us. And I pray that you will break chains today. I pray it in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Be seated. So it is true that the nature of um, sexual temptation has changed a little bit, right? I mean, if you want to think back to me, nobody who wrote Proverbs 7 could have imagined a world like the one that we live in today. I mean, in the ancient times, if you wanted to find, um, you know, an opportunity for sexual expression outside of marriage, you either had to convince somebody or overpower them to give it to you. Like a real person, you had to convince them or overpower them to give it to you. Uh, not to mention, you know, you had to be a little bit, at least a little bit creative in your ability to lust, right? I mean, you know, the tunics and burlap sacks that they wore in ancient times were not exactly as form-fitting as some of the things that we wear today. And so, yes, this, it's, it's all changed very massively. Nobody who, who wrote this could have imagined a time where the Proverbs 7 woman would go with us wherever we go. Nobody could have imagined a world where the Proverbs 7 woman lives in our house 20 times over. That's about the average number of devices per home in America today, right? Just over 20, 21, 22. 
Nobody could have imagined a world where if you wanted to go looking for it, you could have access to pornographic content of whatever kind at just a few keystrokes and clicks. Nobody could have imagined this. And so here's what I want to say to you today, brothers and sisters. And you don't have to be a Christian to realize this. Porn is the most destructive, legal drug on the market today. It destroys families. It destroys marriages. It destroys lives of people who spend years addicted and enslaved to it and feel like they cannot get free. Of people who oversleep in the morning because they were up too late looking at videos, looking at images, and then they miss work the next day and end up being fired from their jobs. It happens all the time. Porn's the most destructive legal drug on the market today. But here's the other thing that you need to know. Porn can be conquered in Jesus' name. It can be beaten. You and I can win the battle against sexual lust and against any sinful expression that our hearts could come up with. We need the power of God to do this. We need the power of his Holy Spirit being the one that brings our souls to life, gives our hearts new and better desires, but he can do that for you. The power of God is great enough to do that for you and for me. But friends, if we're going to win this, we have to make war. We can't treat this issue flippantly. For the sake of our children and our children's children, we must make war on pornography. And so that's what I'm going to encourage you to do today. If you've got sermon notes and you're following along, we're going to look closer at Proverbs 7. And so here's where we begin in this passage. Point number one, dangerous symptoms of an unguarded heart. Dangerous symptoms of an unguarded heart. If you're like me and you pick up and you begin reading uh, Proverbs 7 uh, in verse 6 where we were, maybe the first question that you ask is, who's the creepy guy staring out the lattice of his window? But once you get that figured out, you understand that this is a father, a wise father with both wisdom and wit, right? He's got the wisdom that years of life have brought to him. He knows how this goes. So he sees that young man walking, he knows exactly where he's going, he knows exactly where it's going to end. He's got the wisdom that years of life can provide. But he's also got the wit that having a young male child will force you to have. Because he knows the dangers and the temptations that one day his boy is going to encounter. And so he wants an object lesson to hopefully help steer that boy in the right way. So he goes to the window. He sees this person watching. He says, my son, listen, here's the story. Here's how it goes. Watch as this person uh, walks along. And so maybe before we go anywhere else, let me just say this to those of you that are in the room this morning. Mom and dad, are you watching out for your kids? And if you are not, today is the day to begin. I told you earlier, 94% of our children are exposed to pornography before the age of 14. So if you've not had the conversation with them yet, it's time. Make it an open conversation, a dialogue in your house. It doesn't have to be a one-off conversation. 
You need to be talking about these things regularly. Grandparents, you need to be encouraging your children, the parents of your grandchildren, to do the same. Have the conversation. Moms and dads, we have to watch out for our kids. They don't know to avoid the dangers that we may or may not have avoided. And God has given us the responsibility to help steer them in that way. So watch out for them. The first thing that Proverbs tells us about the uh, person who is about to be seduced is that he's young and inexperienced. He's young and inexperienced. It's crazy to me how, like, before you're married, and especially when you're young and, you know, you go through puberty and all the hormones rise up and, the, you know, your drive kind of kicks off, um, man, sex just has this, like, larger-than-life appeal. I mean, it's treated as the top shelf of human experience and it's off-limits. We tell our kids you shouldn't go there until you're married, right? And so that has this double effect of just making it seem magical and larger than life and something like, man, I've, I've got to have that. So the, the, you know, the, the drive is so strong uh, to go there. But, but here's, here's maybe the sad thing about the proliferation of pornography in the last couple of decades. It's not just a young person problem. I mean, people struggle with this in every generation, And so I guess the caution to all of us is, yes, certainly if you're young and inexperienced, if you're, you know, if you're a middle schooler, if you're a parent of middle schoolers, your kids need to know that like, hey, those desires are totally normal. You've got to find the right place to put them as you do not give into them to let that voice become larger than God's voice in your life. But that caution needs to go to all of us. We all need to listen to the Lord's voice and avoid the things that he steers us away from and take part in the things that he steers us toward. I I mean, I hope that makes sense. Again, this is a problem that all of us face, and so all of us need to understand that we are certainly younger and less experienced than the Lord God who gives us wisdom. So you may think, I can go there, I'm safe. But if God says, don't go there, you need to listen to him. I hope that makes sense. The next thing that we learn about this fellow is that, like, that everything is wrong about how he got where he is, right? I mean, the way that the scripture walks it out, he's crossing the street near her corner. You see what that is? He's, at the, he's in the wrong place. He does not need to be near her corner. He's in the wrong place. He strolled down the road to her house. Where does the road lead to? It leads to her house. He's going the wrong direction. So he's in the wrong place. He's going the wrong direction. And when is he doing it? At twilight, in the evening, in the dark of the night. So wrong place, wrong direction, wrong time. Brothers and sisters, you cannot expect to win when that's the environment that you put yourself in. You'll fail every single time. This fellow acts clueless. But here's the reality. He knows exactly where this is going. And sometimes you and I do the same thing. We put ourselves in that situation knowing exactly where it's going. But rather than getting ourselves out of the situation, asking for help, we just continue to plod right along. Our devices have made this all too easy. Because again, it's available to you anytime. And so friends, you have to know when and where you are tempted You have to know when is the wrong time. You have to know where is the wrong place. You have to know what is the wrong direction for me personally. Where are the areas that I am tempted? And then listen, 
why take your phone into those places where you know temptation is waiting for you? You don't need it there. I mean, just years ago, none of us had these devices anyway. So don't take it there. Here's another question for you. The devices that you do have, are they filtered? Are they protected? Are they monitored? Are they watched over? For those devices that you own, right, but that you allow your kids to use, and by the way, parents, that is the reality. If you pay for it, it's your device and your kid uses it. Are they monitored? Are they filtered? Are they watched over? Are they protected? Listen, I know it's not popular in today's time, but friends, if we're going to win this battle, we have to do these kinds of things. And here's, here's the sad reality. Your kids know more about how to get around the safeguards that you put in place than you do. They're better with technology than we are. That was a crazy moment for me. I was the, uh, many of you may be able to relate to this. I was always the one who like helped solve the technological issues in my parents' and grandparents' houses. You know, Grammy's like, hey, I can't make the printer work. And so I'm like, oh, okay. I walk in like, oh, you know, the power outlet's not in the outlet. So like, let's plug it in and then turn it on. And and it's like, you're a wizard, you know? But it's, it's this moment where as a father of a young boy, I realized that he understood how technology in my house worked better than I did. That's a scary thing. It ought to scare you. But it ought to lead you to, again, open that conversation and then set up safeguards that you constantly partner with your kid to understand what's working and what's not working about the safeguards that we have put in place. If you're talking constantly, then you will see those things. Listen, for this man in Proverbs 7, the battle is over with this woman. It's over long before he ever, uh, b- before he ever puts up a fight. Wrong place, wrong direction, wrong time. That's often true for us. Don't lose before you even get to take out the sword of the Spirit. So here's the thing, refuse to allow yourself into situations that welcome temptation. Listen, as you struggle with pornography, and I know that some of you in the room do, as you struggle with it, do not find yourself alone with an unmonitored, unaccountable device. It's that simple in some respects. We're going to go deeper than that. But don't find yourself alone with an unmonitored, unfiltered device. So those are the symptoms of an unguarded heart that we see in verses 6 through 9. The next point on your sermon notes, number two, is this. The deceptive seduction of sexual temptation. So Proverbs trots out this woman. And and I want to pause here real quick and, and talk about why the Bible uses a woman. And sisters, it's not because you are inherently more tempting than we are. It's not because we fall prey to sexual sin more easily than you do, although that may be the case in, 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 some, in some points. And it's not because the Bible doesn't like women either. The Bible uses she to describe other things, such as wisdom, even in Proverbs. The Bible also uses she a female, to describe the bride of Christ, the church. So the Bible and our our Lord holds women in the highest esteem. But she's simply representing here the image of temptation. 
And so I just want you to know that because here's what often happens. Fellas, a lot of times we'll blame our lust problems on our sisters or on, on women that are in the world. And, and that can't be the case. Sisters, uh, sisters, listen, you are called to be modest. The Bible tells you to. But brothers, it is not the immodest woman's fault when you lust after her. That's your sin and my sin. And we own that before the Lord. So sisters, be modest. Brothers, don't blame it on immodest people when you struggle and fall prey to sexual temptation. Free point there. So let's continue. What's the character of sexual temptation and how it seduces? First of all, I want to say this. Temptation is deceptive. There are so many things that this young man should have caught and didn't on his way into the battle. Number one. This woman is dressed the wrong way. The Bible says she's dressed like a prostitute, right? She comes to him looking uh, like, I mean, it, it, you know, this is, this is a firework. Stay away, right? And instead, he chooses to go right along with it. Number two, the Bible says she has a hidden agenda. That's what it says in this translation. Your translation may have said it differently, like a guarded heart or something like that. Either way, what she wants is not ultimately to make this young fellow happy. What she wants is all about her. She's selfish in her motive, but she guards that and acts like she wants to make it all about him. Now, listen, we're going to talk more about this hidden agenda thing in just a moment. Uh, but third, she's loud and defiant. Sometimes temptation is all up in your face, isn't it, right? Um, and listen, it's really hard to hear the Lord's voice when temptation is screaming into your ear. That's why she's loud and defiant. Four, her feet don't stay at home. She's on every street corner, everywhere. She's lurking around. Listen, temptation is the sword of Satan that he wants to use to strike you down. I remind you that the Bible says he is like a lion prowling around looking for someone that he may devour. Temptation is his sword to that end. Fifth, it does say she's lurking at every corner. And again, remind you, this is where the Bible speaks directly to us today. It is not surprising to God or to his word that there is temptation everywhere. We need to be on guard. I mentioned the hidden agenda piece, and let me just speak to this real quick. Now listen, I'm not opposed to social media. I have social media accounts, and I use them. But I want you to understand that behind that face of an app that makes us think it's there for us, for our enjoyment, I need you to know that it is after you. I mean, there's an algorithm behind these things that monitors every extra second you spend looking at something and tracks it. Oh, he likes this. She likes that. Notice how she clicked on this link and didn't click on that link. We put this ad before him and it didn't work. We put this ad before him and he waited and watched a couple seconds of it. It's tracking all of that. And it's not doing it so that you can have more enjoyment the next time you get onto Instagram. It's doing that because ultimately it wants to sell you and this profile that it has created for you to make more money for the enterprise that's behind it all. Friend, I need you to know that. Again, I'm not saying that burning your devices or deleting your social media is the way to go. It may not be. I just need you to be aware that the hidden agenda behind all of these things can trap us if you don't realize it's there. 
Never is this more true than with pornography. It knows what you like, and it will send you more of what you like so that that temptation ramps up and up and up. So yeah, temptation is deceptive. But second, temptation hides the consequences uh, behind a fortress of excuses. Now the excuses that this woman gives are ridiculous. The first ones are religious. I mean, she says, hey, I've, I've fulfilled my vows. I've made my offerings. Me and God are good. And so often we fall for the same things. Hey, Jesus died for it. God's going to forgive you anyway. Just go for it. That's why the Bible says, shall we who died to sin still live in it? No. We can't go there. So don't fall for the religious excuses. She offers practical excuses, right? My husband's gone. And basically what you need to hear in that today is that temptation to believe that you can keep it a secret. Temptation to believe that no one's going to find out that you're not going to get in public trouble for this sin. There's all sorts of practical excuses. You and I hear them every single day. And the third set of excuses that she offers is the overpromise of an experience that will be worth whatever consequence comes after it. Man, did you see the scene that she set up for him? It's pretty spectacular, isn't it? I mean, she's got comfy covers. She's got the best linen that Egypt has to offer She tells him that they're going to feast on love all night long. You heard that before? But friends, anybody who has, any believer who has fallen prey to sexual temptation knows that that excuse only works until the moment that conviction hits. And after that, you regret everything that you've done. And this is the reality of sin. It always takes you further than you want to go. It always keeps you longer than you want to stay. And it always costs you more than you want to pay. So don't fall for those excuses. Third, temptation always has a destination in mind. It always has a destination in mind. Listen to the language that the Bible uses about where the the road of her house leads to. What this young man does not realize The Bible describes it as headed down to the slaughter. Describes it as moving into a snare, a trap. Describes it as a deer running along until it gets shot with an arrow that pierces its liver. Friends, you and I may think that all of this is no big deal. You're wrong. Sin leads to death. And it was the enemy's first play, and it is often still his play to convince us otherwise. You won't die. But it's not true. Sin always leads to death. The consequences are always there. And when it comes to pornography, brothers and sisters, if you don't believe me, look it up. Even the ungodly, Realize the problem that this is and the consequence that it brings to us. And so number three, if we're going to win, we're going to have to install some deliberate safeguards against sexual temptation. Deliberate safeguards against uh, sexual temptation. That is probably no surprise to anybody in the room that I believe standing before you here today that there is wisdom in God's word. 
If we're going to win this, though, we need to be incredibly practical. So we have to take this wisdom that God's word offers. Listen, mom, dad, struggler, victor, sinner, saint, all of you in the room. The way to win against pornography, I've already said it, is to recognize that this is a war. And it's one that's worth fighting. So armor up. And let's get ready to battle it together. There's a twofold encouragement that the wise father in Proverbs gives. He says, number one, don't let your heart turn aside. And number two, don't stray. Don't stray. So don't let your heart turn aside and don't stray. I don't know if you can see this, you know, to be fair with you. I don't, I don't think I made this up. But when I hear those two phrases, here's what I hear. Don't let your heart turn aside means, hey, your heart guides your intentions in this life. So don't let yourself get to the point where you intentionally believe that pursuing this stuff is better than pursuing God. You see how there's that intentionality behind your heart and the way that it steers you. If you submit your heart to King Jesus, then you'll believe that it's worth it to keep on following him even when temptation strikes. When he says this other one, don't stray, don't stray. It's kind of like you're intentionally walking along the path and then you go one degree off headed in the wrong direction by one degree, and eventually, before you know it, you found yourself in the wrong place. Brothers and sisters, don't stray. So, I think what the father in Proverbs is getting at here is that if we're going to win against sexual temptation, we need both uh, the intentionality that our hearts bring to the table, as well as the clear-mindedness to avoid that straying. We've got to be purposeful in pursuing this. And even when our minds are, are, are kind of turned off, we have to be guarded so that we don't stray. Um, Heath Lambert is a pastor in Jacksonville, Florida. He's a, he's a pastor at First Baptist Jacksonville. And he has been remarkably helpful to me in this issue and to many, many others. So Heath Lambert, again, I, I hold him up to you. Read what he wrote. Watch whatever videos or podcasts he puts out. Uh, look it up. Send him. Share him with your friends. He, um, he uses three concepts to kind of describe the battle with pornography. Um, and here they are. They're availability, accountability, and appetite. And basically, uh, his point is that if all three of those things go wrong, you will fail against uh, sexual temptation every time. So, so here's what I mean. Um, if it's available to you, if you don't have accountability in place, and if you have an appetite for it, that is you want to look at it, you will look at it every single time. But if you change even one of those three things, your chances for success skyrocket. It may be available to you, and there's not a ton we can do about that, but if you bring some accountability into the picture, that'll help you majorly. You may not have the accountability, but if you put yourself in a scenario where availability goes away, you can be victorious. Ultimately, brothers and sisters, what you and I are looking for, though, is a change of appetite. We need Jesus to get inside of our hearts and change the desires of our hearts. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. So first, let's hit availability. Again, there's not a ton that we can do here, but there are some things. Guard your devices. 
There's software out there that is designed to help you do this. And if you go to the resource page on lbcchelsea.com, you can find the links that will take you to some of these places where you can get help uh, to, to monitor, filter, and safeguard your devices. Will it rob you of some convenience? Yes, it will. Is it worth it? Yes, it is. So guard your devices. Reduce availability wherever it's possible. Second, accountability. Friends, build it into your life. I mean that. I can't press it hard enough. Build accountability into your life. With respect to your family, listen, every device should be subject to random accountability checks. They should be. My face is not the only face that unlocks my phone. Anytime she wants to, Kaylee can grab my phone and unlock it with her face or the passcode, which she knows, and she can check whatever she wants. Because we have that accountability built into our relationship, you should too. But you should also have someone who's not your spouse, who's designed to be an accountability partner for you. And here's why I say that. In the moments where Brian Alderman is tempted, there's no question about who should I reach out to. Because I know who I'm going to reach out to. And within minutes, I've texted him. And he's usually responded to me very quickly and said, I'm praying for you. I love you. Remember that it is worth it to win. You've got this. And then he checks in every so often. You need that accountability in your life. I beg you, don't go to sleep tonight before you have it. But third is appetite. Listen, friends, God gave us the drive for sex, which means it's a good thing. I know that that can be so hard to see when you're struggling against pornography. But God gave you the drive for sex, and he desires to use it for his glory. The problem with it is that it can so quickly take the throne of your heart. And so we need a change of appetite. And it doesn't work like this. It doesn't work like you no longer want sex. It works like this. You just rather obey God's word. Wasn't it Jesus who said, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me? I mean, didn't our Savior get to the, I mean, he was, he was perfect. And so he was at that point for his whole life where he would rather die of starvation than disobey God. Brothers and sisters, that's where we want to be. We want to be to the point where we, can, where we can honestly say, I would rather obey my Lord Jesus than have the greatest experience that sex in this world has to offer. I'd rather have Jesus than all the images that the internet can throw at me. I'd rather have my Lord Jesus than any struggle with any sin on this planet. Well, listen, friend, that's available to you. The Holy Spirit can get you there. But I need you to know something else. It's a journey. It's not a one-stop, one-moment change in disposition. Sometimes it is. But very, very rarely. And see, here, that's, uh, that, here's where that leads us. As believers in Jesus we're still missing something even with the wisdom of God's word. Because you and I have all the wisdom available to us. 
And we have still chosen from time to time to rebel and to sin, haven't we? So we need more than the wisdom that God's word has to offer because wisdom is not enough to heal your soul or my soul. And this is where the means and the methods of the world fall short and the church has something better to offer. Listen, friends, the greatest problem of porn is not the destroyed marriages or the destroyed families or even the lost jobs that happen in its wake. The greatest problem of porn is that it offends a holy and righteous creator, God. The greatest problem of porn is that many will face him one day alone in their sin with no excuse to offer and that there will be a judgment spoken against them. The same would be true for you and I. And it terrifies me. It ought to terrify all of us that this God has seen every thought you and I have ever let run through our minds. There's no hiding from him. We're exposed before him. And if you must face him alone, then that judgment is the only thing that can be spoken over you. But you don't have to face him alone. Whether you've looked one time or one million times, whether you haven't looked in 13 years or you looked in the last 13 hours, there is a Savior who shed his blood for your forgiveness. And not only is it there to forgive you, it is there for your power to overcome. See, the word of Jesus is better than even the word of wisdom that God offers to us. There is not just wisdom for when you struggle. There is mercy, grace, and help in your time of need when you had all the wisdom and you still chose wrong. You can go to his throne and you can say, Jesus, I screwed up again. But I know that by your blood you can forgive me. And so forgive me, Lord, and give me the power to overcome. How does this happen? Well, it begins with repentance. That moment where you're headed in one direction, you're doing the wrong thing, you stop at the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you turn around and you say, Lord, I'm sorry, I messed up, but I want to go the other way, and you go the other way. A change of heart that leads to a change of behavior. It begins with repentance. It continues with surrender and diligence. Every day, waking up and surrendering to the Lord and saying, lead me, King Jesus, I need you. And being diligent, stubborn, persistent to make all out, no bars held, pedal to the metal kind of war against the struggle with pornography. I mean, throw everything at it. You throw the kitchen sink if that's what it takes or throw the brand new iPhone if that's what it takes. It is worth it to win this war. It moves forward with steadfast endurance until, listen to me, friends, until regular victory starts becoming your story. You win one, one battle with temptation. You walk away and you're like, hey, I can do that. And then you start winning more. And then you start winning more often than you lose. And then before you know it, you're winning all the time and only occasionally struggling. And of course, that's about as far as we can expect to make it on this side of eternity. But the hope that each one of us gets to have in this room 
is that one day this struggle ends when you see your Lord and Savior face to face. That's coming. That day will be here. But until it comes, until it comes, this is the one thing that I'm asking you. I don't know your story. I don't know how you've struggled or if you've struggled or when the last time you struggled was. All I know is that I'm asking you right now, in Jesus' name, to make war on this sin. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that in your word we have all we need for life and godliness. Thank you, Lord, that we have the instruction of Proverbs, the wisdom of your word. Thank you also, Lord, that you don't leave us with just the wisdom and no means of forgiveness when we mess up. Because, Lord, we do. And we need your grace, your mercy, and your help in our time of need. And so, Lord, I just believe that today you could start a work among us that changes the nature of this thing, at least here at Liberty Baptist Church. And maybe it spills over, Lord. Maybe it spills over into Chelsea, Alabama. Maybe it spills over until our state, our country, starts to notice a tide that's turning where people would rather follow Jesus and submit to him than look at this garbage. I know that you can do it. And so, Lord, I'm asking you to start here. Start with me. Start with my brothers and sisters that are in this room. Start with this church, Lord. It's your church. Move in power among us. Move in power among us until we one day see your face. And there will be no more sin in that day. There will be no more struggle. We long for it. We look forward to it. But until that day, Lord Jesus, give us the strength to fight this fight and make war against our sin. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.